say that I wanted to build my own own application, own routing application, what is the first thing that I should do? Where should I start? In any map database, uh, there's usually a lot of da- different data and you have to choose which data to show. And it's always like depends on the situation, which data you want to choose, because if you show everything, it's hard to read. Yeah, usually if you choose to use, for example, OpenStreetMap, you can use, you should use OpenTripPlanner or other routing platform uh, that's created with the community because it's a huge amount of work. GIS data is special, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you, you need to know about coordinate systems, that there is more than one and why they are used. And also, uh, about mapping, like how to create accessible maps and uh, why there are some standards. Welcome to Fork, Pull, Merge, Push. This is a show about topics developers obsess over with guest engineers from around the world. Hi everyone, Esko here. And Anna. And you are listening to the Forkpool Merge Push podcast. And today in the studio with me and Anna, we've got Henna Kalliokoski. Henna is a full-stack programmer and a friend of Clojure programming language. Henna also has a lot of say about GIS, which is our topic for today. Maps and tile layers might not be the most well-known thing for most of us, but they are present in our lives every day nevertheless. Happy to have you here, Henna, with us today. Um, what can you tell us about yourself in 30 seconds? Yeah, so hey, I'm Henna Kalliagoski. I'm a software developer and a GIS professional. Um, I've studied computer science and geoinformatics at the University of Helsinki. And now I've been working as a programmer for nearly six years. Um, I'm passionate about functional programming and human rights and environmental protection and yeah i uh my hobbies include studying chinese and snowboarding and sailing and i'm also a mother of an eight-year-old so about the gis so what does the abbreviation stand for and what's it about really yeah So GIS means uh, Geographic Information Science or Geographic Information System. And traditionally, GIS have been used by geographers or regional planners or data scientists that that are not actually programmers. So GIS means for some people just like a desktop program that you can use for data analysis and Uh, map visualization. So maps are quite, um, if you can say, the uh, typical end product. Yes, but not the only one. You can use GIS for only for data analysis, and the result can be uh, it can be a route. So pathfinding. Yeah, pathfinding and also decision making. Like if you own a company that sells, for example, groceries, you need to decide where to establish the next store you can use GIS to 
analyze where should I. So you could basically see like the population or or all the relevant in- information from that system and then decide based on that, like what's a good place for the yes, store. Yes, you can use population and, and yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I have to ask you, how did you like first find yourself being interested in this sort of stuff? Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was really interested in geographics and and later I started to study programming. So I became a programmer, but at the university there was an introduction course to geoinformatics. So I realized that this is my passion and, and this is like exactly what I want to do. So interesting. So the programming sort of come, came later than the geoinformatics part. Yeah. Interesting. I would have guessed to be honest, like it would be other way around. But I guess that's like, it can also be the data. I remember being like really interested in databases when I studied because I I was interested in the data, but it began like really later that I realized that I really loved the programming part of it. Mm. So it's sometimes it's it's the data. And I'm thinking like the, the just, um, or the like geographic information systems, like it's a lot of data. And and the fact that you can really show the relationships between things and relations like how population or, I don't know, it sounds really interesting. Like it sounds like there's a lot of possibilities what you can do with those. Yeah, there is. And when you're a GIS professional, it's hard to know like everything about GIS. Most of them are like specialized for remote uh, uh, mapping or uh, routing or... I might be specialized in uh, uh, web mapping, like vector tiles and web map protocols and stuff. So what do you think every developer should know about GIS? I think every developer should know that GIS data is special. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> you, you need to know about coordinate systems, that there is more than one and why they are used and also uh, about mapping like how to create accessible maps and why there are some standards and also that different sources of map data that that, for example google maps is not the only option when you create maps can you briefly go into that accessible part which piqued my interest like what was what does it mean to create an accessible map well, for example, in any map database, there's usually a lot of da- different data and you have to choose which data to show. And it always depends on the situation, which data you want to choose, because if you show everything, it's hard to read. And also, it's really simple kind of things like the colors, how people see differently. And yeah, <laughs> that, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> Fun fact of the day. One in every three developers wrote their first code before even graduating high school. Were you one of them? Don't answer. Frankly, for us at Reactor, it doesn't matter if you started coding at 7 or 67, as long as you're as passionate about it as we are. Check out our open positions with the link in the description to this episode. Maybe we already touched this topic a bit, but what are the aspects of GIS that are like most interesting to you? Mm, yeah, I mentioned that 
my expertise is about web maps. So I've been doing in my work, I've created web maps with vector tiles, which is it's a way uh, to show data in um, browser in vector format instead of raster format, which is like raster tiles next to each other. And also I'm active OpenStreetMap contributor. So also open source and open map data platforms are close to my <laughs> work and interest. What does it mean to be um, like a contributor to the OpenStreetMap? Was it OpenStreetMap you said? Yeah. yeah. So OpenStreetMap is open map database, which are uh, the data is created by users and also some companies like Microsoft and Amazon that have uh, their own interests to use OpenStreetMap. Yeah, OpenStreetMap is used uh, in many public services also. Like in Helsinki, we have this route planner, which uses OpenStreetMap. You mean the route planner for the public transportation? Yeah. Yeah, the public transportation route planner, also for walking and cycling. It's called DigiTransit, and it's they use the uh, same software in Tampere and Turku and Kuopio and some other cities. So basically all sort of, if you can say, all major cities in Finland. Yeah. Um, so they are like OpenStreetMap based. Yeah, yeah. The uh, data for the maps and the routing comes from OpenStreetMap. The routing algorithm comes from OpenTrip Planner, which is an open source routing platform. <laughs> I was actually meaning to ask you, but you already went to the routing planner route planning thing. Um, of course, living in Helsinki, I've been using the public transportation route planner quite a lot in my life, and I've always Since I have never made a, any kind of path or route finding algorithm, uh, I'm, I've always been interested in like how do you make that, and how they the people at HSL who produce the service do you make the sort of algorithm. But so they have like used an open source library. Yeah, the Helsinki Region Transport Company uh, uses many open open source libraries for their systems. So OpenDrift Planner is the one that's used for routing. And if I remember right, they use a star algorithm for the routing okay. part. So is it like common to use these ready-made libraries when you, let's say you just need to create some kind of map-based route finding thing for your purposes. So is it normal to use ready-made libraries or is there a use case for when a development team should themselves implement one it sounds mm. quite involved yeah to yeah me, it, to make one <laughs> yeah yeah usually if you choose to use for example OpenStreetMap, you can use you should use open trip planner or other routing platform uh, that's created with the community because it's a huge amount of work but of course if you had like um indoor mapping or something like that then then you can just use your own algorithm like you can just create a a star algorithm and points and use that <laughs> okay so basically the rule of thumb would be here that 
if you don't need to clearly make it yourself, don't do it. Yeah. Instead, use something that somebody else has made already. Yeah, and that's a good advice for like many things in GIS because there's a like long history of GIS and and geoinformatics and stuff. So almost every time there's a like ready-made algorithm for your problem, so you shouldn't solve it yourself. Um, you mentioned that uh, you're especially focused on maps and geographic information systems on the web. So what are the challenges on the web using maps or showing maps? Or, Well, in cartography, the traditional challenge is projections. Like we usually use Mercator projection and specifically in uh, websites, we use Web Mercator projection which is very similar to common Mercator projection. And the Web Mercator is uh, created by Google and it's used in Google Maps. So the same projection is used in OpenStreetMap and many other data sources. So that's one. Uh, The second one is map protocols. There's more than five common map protocols. There's the protocol that Google Maps uses and also a very similar one one that OpenStreetMap uses. The difference is with them in which order the tiles are served to the browser. So you need to know which protocol you are using when you are serving your maps. Uh, how about you mentioned that um, depending on the protocol, the tiles are served in a different order. Anything else that is is challenging, like when we when you think about serving data over the internet, serving map data. Yeah. Uh, so um, I mentioned earlier that um, you can serve maps as raster tiles or vector tiles, and Google Maps have been using vector tiles since two thousand thirteen, and after that, many other web map platforms have been kind of copying that. <laughs> And there's uh, this pioneer in open source uh, vector tiles, which is called Mapbooks. And after that, the, uh, there's been many others like Open Map Tiles, which is right now the open source vector tile producer, since Mapbooks has been closing many of their licenses. So, are there like clear advantages of using vector tiles instead of raster tiles? Or what is the reason for Google, for example, to go down that road? Yeah, uh, vector tiles are in many times more lightweight than raster tiles because when you send only vectors, the rendering responsibility is on the browser. So the browser is using different libraries for the data rendering, the visualization. So you're sending only the data and a guide to visualize it. like water is blue yeah. so the network pay- payload is fighter when you use the vector yeah. based implementation yeah that's one reason and also uh it's more dynamic you can create maps like individually for people like my my google maps looks different th- than your google maps because it shows me places that i i've been to or that i would possibly like and also in vector tiles you can use the same data but different visualization for different places. So, 
Um, I want to talk a little bit about the communities. You mentioned that like uh, there's a community um, for collecting the data or inputting the data to the systems. Um, how does that work? Could I participate as well and how would that happen? Yeah, you could. <laughs> mm, so uh, the biggest community for map data uh, gathering is OpenStreetMap. And OpenStreetMap is actually like community of communities. It's like it consists of many small communities. And in Finland, for example, there's people who use the public transportation and and create data for OpenStreetMap for the use of public transportation. But also there's people who do mountain biking, so they do, uh, may create routes for mountain biking and these kind of groups and. But is it so that if you contribute to the OpenStreetMaps, is the is there some sort of downstream where the contribution flows? For example, say you have the mountain biking people. I don't know, is it the trail forks or the service they're using? Uh, and then you'd like to have a change there, but you would like to apply the change to other communities as well because it will be benefit to all. So if you can, you make a contribution that will then at some point will be available for each of the like sub communities. Yeah, that's basically how OpenStreetMap works because all the uh, like edits you do there is public for every group. So in many cases, your edits uh, are useful for many kinds of groups. So there is this kind of master data somewhere in the internet that everybody can then access. Yes, there is like OpenStreetMap Foundation which watches and maintains the data. So people who are part of OpenStreetMap Foundation make sure that the data is, well, not they can, can't be sure that the data is valid everywhere, but try to keep the data accessible and real. You've worked with maps and, and GIS uh, for a long time now. Um, and the communities and the um, probably ways of working maybe have changed or have evolved during the years. Um, how have they done that? And also, what do you see the future like? Mm. Maybe 20 years ago or even earlier, there were these Open Geospatial Consortium and Open Source Geospatial Foundation that were really important for the GIS community. But I think in the last few years, many of the programmers have been evolved to GIS stuff. So there's a lot of people who don't know about systems and protocols that are created to the community. So, yeah. But also, uh, I think since OpenStreetMap has become more important since its creation from 2004, uh, more people are getting involved. Uh, open data, open map data, and uh, open source data visualization and protocols and filing systems. You mentioned companies like Google and Microsoft, and no doubt there are also other big companies. Um, do they contribute to like open data, or are they just there for the yeah, benefit? Uh, they do contribute a lot. Uh, for example, um, Amazon uses uh, OpenStreetMap for their delivery uh, routing. So Amazon has been creating a lot of new paths and tracks in the USA. So OpenStreetMap is a European project, but it's been more important in the, in the United States lately. 
because of Amazon and Microsoft. It's nice to know that the development doesn't only rely on individuals. Yeah, for some people in the community, it might feel a threat that these kind of big corporations are getting involved. Like Microsoft has been creating a lot of AI buildings to the United States from their machine learning visualization systems. But I think most of the community community has been quite happy with it. So, If you think of popular programming languages, in many cases there are big companies with deep pockets behind those languages like TypeScript and Clojure even. So I don't see a problem mm. there as long as it's kind of transparent and the intent is to yeah. like share the good for everybody. Yeah. And there's a really strict rules with OpenStreetMap data licenses. You, if you want to add something to OpenStreetMap, you have to agree to the license. So when Microsoft or Amazon creates new objects to OpenStreetMap, they have to share it with the OpenStreetMap li- license. Sounds good. So it's like a give and take system where everyone benefits. I I guess I have uh, one last question here. Um, if I were to say that I wanted to build my own own application, own routing application, what is the first thing that I should do? Where should I start? Uh, you should decide if you want it to be a visual. Do you need a map to it? It's not necessary, <laughs> but but many people like to see the route on the map. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you should choose which data you are using. Are you using Google Maps or OpenStreetMap? And Uh, what are, are you using to visualize it? Are you using serving your own raster tiles or vector tiles or using some ready platform for that? And also for the routing algorithm, are you creating it yourself or are you using a ready-made like OpenDrift Planner or something else? To me, it sounds like the first thing I would do is to contact you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I think it's been <laughs> super enlightening. Uh, as before, this was a topic that we really don't know much about. So I think we'll learn a lot. And definitely we'll contact you <laughs> in, in case we ever are in a situation that we want to build a uh, uh, geographic information system. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, Enna. And uh, it's been awesome to talk to you and really to get to know you better. And I hope that our listeners also enjoyed this episode as much as we did. And um, yeah, um, please remember to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform or service you are using. And uh, until next time. <laughs>